One of the positive outcomes of COVID-19 has been the proliferation of new forms of digital entertainment as creative types turn the sow's ears of our confinement into silk purses. We've seen Zoom rom-coms, parents upstaging their kids on TikTok, and now a podcom that takes a mickey out of strata living. Welcome to The Elephant in the Room. This is the podcast where we love to talk about the big things in property that never usually get talked about. I'm Veronica Morgan, real estate agent, buyer's agent, co-host of Foxtel's Location, Location, Location Australia and author of Auction Ready. And I'm Chris Bates, mortgage broker. Before we get started, I need to let you know that nothing we say on here can be taken as personal advice. We always recommend you engage the services of a professional. Don't forget that you can access the transcript for this episode on the website as well as down Download our free full or forecast report. Which experts can you trust to get it right? Theelephantintheroom.com.au You may remember our convivial chat with Jimmy Thompson back in February. Jimmy from Flat Chat. It's a very entertaining episode as Jimmy regaled us with many anecdotes about the trials and tribulations of living in apartments, townhouses and villas. We may not have mentioned it at the time, but for many years, Jimmy was a TV writer and was shortlisted three times for the Australian Writers Guild Sitcom Awards. He's one of those creative types I mentioned earlier, and he's joined forces with Warren Coleman, who was co-director on Happy Feet and a former member of the Castanets Club. Together... They've created a podcom all about hyperbole towers. This audio sitcom is based around a dysfunctional strata committee that accidentally changes its bylaws so that they must hold their meetings on Zoom rather than just can do so. What could possibly go wrong? We're joined today by both Jimmy and Warren, and we'd love to hear about the stories that have inspired hyperbole towers. Welcome, gents. Good morning. Good morning to you. <laughs> Good day, Jimmy and Warren. I uh, did listen to the first episode this morning, and there was uh, many things to be laughing at. Is there any kind of parallels with the legendary Faulty Towers? Oh, I think it's um, well, it's a comedy, so that's a parallel. Um, I think it's it's uh, it's more uh, number ninety six. Um, oh. <laughs> the late great most that, beloved. So- Yes. Yeah, certainly that episode. Um, Faulty Towers, yeah, look, Faulty Towers is just a bunch of of, uh, dysfunctional characters uh, and with one calm centre. I think Polly would have been the the calm centre, the waitress, and all these crazy people around her. And that's basically what this is, as uh, are many strata committees, all these crazy people with one person trying to (laughs) hold it all together. So who are the main characters and have they been modelled on anyone in particular? Can I just say a legal note? This has not been modelled on anyone, especially, no, all. especially no. anyone who lives in my building. Yeah, um, Warren, do you, do you want to start? Well, look, we start really with, with uh, Charlie, who is the, uh, the, um, uh, the, the chairperson, chairwoman, chairlift, chaise lounge or whatever she's called differently by different by one character during the entire story, she's the chairperson of the uh, of the uh, committee, the executive committee that runs um, Hyperbole Towers, their apartment block, and uh, she's probably the most centred uh, person. Who she's the, the sort of grounded, relatively 
um, sane person who's trying to navigate her way through the various agendas of the various folk who, who with whom she works. Uh, most closely, of course, uh, she's dogged by the uh, relentless and craftily Machiavellian Alfie, who is her, um, uh, uh, well, what's he's technically Jimmy, he's, he's the building manager, of course. He's the building manager. He's the building manager, but but uh, but he himself sees himself as the, the power behind the throne, the real ruler of the entire block, and the person who makes everything happen. And he, he has an eerie ability to hear, see, and monitor conversations which he never should be able to. But, of course, he has a lot of high-tech surveillance gear in the office that he never lets anyone else have any admittance to. So what he's yeah. able to know, who he's able to listen to, what he can actually find out, we don't really know, except it's a little eerie as the story unfolds how much he actually knows. He knows everything. He, he does everything. know everything. He you doesn't. Think that really happens ever. <laughs> oh, no, oh no, 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 there's no, no, no East German no. block style folk yeah. working in the uh, executive committees of our fine city or our nation. I, indeed, I, I, um, I, can't, I won't mention the building, but uh, we had a building manager who was just like that. His obsession was uh, keeping costs down so that he could get a better Christmas bonus, and. Uh, <laughs> We've and and we had things like you know that people's apartments were being broken into, or kind of broken into. People were getting into them, but there was no sign of a break-in. And then there were stories in the press about the um, the Spider-Man burglar of the eastern suburbs who was getting into apartments in our building because there was no way uh, he, otherwise he could get in. And then we discovered he was lending. Um, pass keys, master keys, to security, the security guys. And they were the ones who were going into the apartments and nicking things. Um, and so we eventually we got rid of this guy. We told him, you know, get rid of all these pass, these master keys. Just get rid of them. It's a huge security risk. And he said, yeah, 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 I've done it. And when we finally sacked him, um, they opened his safe. He had five master keys in the safe still. <laughs> so, you know. These people exist. I do have to add one comic moment. When we pushed him out of the, the building, we literally pushed him out of the building. He was marched down to his car. <laughs> not, not, off the, not on the ground floor either. No. <laughs> yeah. well, he, he, he was marched down to his car, which then refused to start. Oh, so the office bearers of the committee literally had to push his car out onto the street to get him out of the building. Well, that's just a little bit like Dan. You sound a little bit like Dan Andrews at the moment, blaming security guards, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> poor old Dan. He's doing it tough, Dan. <laughs> yes, hard yards yeah. being Dan. Yeah, yeah. so. We got two characters there, and you know, and there's. Well, actually, you know, when you're talking about Alfie, that did remind me of a story. It was that building in Piermont where the building manager was discovered uh, to have basically built himself like a catacomb, sort of really, yeah, in, the, yeah. in the bowels of the building. And he's set up a kitchen and a laundry, and yep. um, he was living in the storage units, right, and stealing every day. There's a bit. This Alfie is a little bit inspired by him. The way they discovered that guy in Piermont was that they, they heard the washing machine going in the car park, and somebody got yeah. worked. Was there a washing machine in the car park? And then they found behind Wait these second, barrels yeah. and these false walls, he'd built himself a little den. And he was stealing from people, stealing from their, their storage things. Um, so the it's other kind of like Parasite, you know, but with, you know, set in Australia. 
and it was it was funny because they, when he was caught, the residents there was two reactions. One of the residents was, "Oh, he was a bit creepy. He was always everywhere." And another one was saying, "It's fantastic. Whenever there were tradies or deliveries, he was there to sign the the delivery sheet or let the tradies in." So uh, there was, you know, it cut both ways. Yeah, He's it's always a mixed, there. It's a mixed bag. <laughs> so who else we got in this uh, hyperbole towers? We got the secretary, who is uh, the barely competent secretary, who uh, Brooke. Brooke. We con- we we coined the phrase "control flake." Um, as somebody who who won't let anybody else do their job but never gets around to doing it herself. Uh, and her constant uh, get-out-of-jail card is, oh, I'm sorry, you're breaking up. I can't hear you. Uh, which, uh, whenever she's under pressure, she uses that. Um, who else is there, Warren? Well, of course, there's also, after Brooke, we, we have uh, some of the, uh, the more crazed members of the committee, people like... Uh, Damien, who's a, uh, a day trader uh, and for whom the committee is probably his only contact with other people in the outside world. So uh, he, he's a, uh, a driven, strange, unusual man whose personal habits are probably not to be too closely inspected. But yeah. <laughs> he, his, his attachment to the committee is a real one because without it, he would never meet anybody else other than online. Yeah, and we've got a manic Scottish... Uh... Do good, yeah. Who's who's who, good deeds done free is her, her, her when she picks up the phone, and, uh, and she thinks that gives her license to be both a vicious gossip and a racist. So she she is. Um, then there's the Steve, the treasurer, who sees everything in terms of money. In terms of money. Uh, Steve's endlessly uh, uh, trying to find, uh, trying to make sure they're they're not being taken of advantage, advantage of financially in any way whatsoever, uh, which you know makes his conversation both limited and uh, kind of hilarious in a way <laughs> he can't really see. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we, all this fodder, where yeah. I mean, has all of this come through flat chat or Warren? You must have had some ideas here from your own experiences. Where have all these inspirations come from? Well, they do. They do come from various folk that one meets around. I, I, I was on a uh, the executive committee of a very small building, very different to Jimmy's, not far from him. Until earlier this year, when I moved to a very large building. Now, um, so my experience was being a member of the executive committee was 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 quite tame compared to Jimmy's. So, this this swapping the stories was most instructive. But but the characters that you meet are remarkably don't differ that much. They turn up in small samplings and large samplings. It's just a question of degree, mm. really. Yeah, but they, they tend to be the people. Hey, you, sorry, Chris. I was just wondering, are you on the new committee for the new place you're in now, or is that? Are you leaving that to the others? Um, and so far, look, I'm, I'm really just trying to find my feet here. So I'm not really on the committee yet here, but I'm I'm kind of intrigued because I see the notices come past and I have a feeling there's a lot of stories in there. And I'll ha- now, since it's all online, I should be able to attend quite readily and at least take some notes, if nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> For the next episode. Mm. Yeah. Well, yes. we, we, we it's forgot. all material. We forgot a couple of characters. There's the old um, class warrior, Joe, for whom nobody... Joe. Yeah, he's never... No one's ever left wing enough for him, um, no. and, and uh, uh, until it until it hits the hip pocket, and then suddenly his socialist principles go flying out the window. Evaporate, yeah. And and there is Amber, uh, who is 
a massage therapist. A licensed massage therapist. She is. She's a trained and licensed massage therapist. Um, Laying on of hands in a very un- irreligious way. Yes. But it's one of the big issues I say, I guess. What are some of the big issues that you're uh, you're finding that each episode is kind of gravitating towards that, uh, you know, that are common issues in child living that are quite funny because you get people with all different conflicting views on? Well, the, the first episode basically concerns uh, the establishment of what could be a day spa or might be a massage parlour in an empty commercial space. <laughs> um, and they have to decide which way they want to go with that. Um, and I won't give too much away, but there are intrigues behind the scene going on. And then there's a simple issue of tapping. There's a tapping noise that's driving one of the res- a lot of the residents mad. And uh, there's a suspicion that Alfie, the building manager, has taken a bribe to not do anything about it. Um, so, but you, so you've got so you've got that idea of um, the commercial thing and and the moral issues in a building because you know apartment blocks are terrific places for people like drug dealers and sex workers because the security is great you know it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and then there's then there's the 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 uh, the thing with the the, the tapping which uh, anybody who's lived in an apartment knows that you can get driven mad by you phone up the concierge as i have done myself and say can you stop that bloody drilling from the apartment above mine and he comes back and goes, yeah, there's nobody there. They, there's nobody be, they're all in France. So <laughs> the drilling, and it turned out the drilling was coming from somewhere way over on the other side of the building, just the way the building was constructed. The it tremendous travels. psycho, yes, they were yeah. psychoacoustic speakers, but they're very large. So yeah. you, can't, you, you can be getting 5.1 sound from you don't know where. Yeah. It's lovely, though, the idea that you can just call up the concierge to intercede for you rather than you have to actually go and deal with the problem yourself. I love that. Yeah, it's the coward's way out. <laughs> I mean, because if you're living in a row of terraces and next door starts doing that, you, you've got no leg to stand on. But at least yeah. in Strata you've got some sort of legislation or some sort of framework yeah. to, uh, to stand in between you and, and insulting your neighbour or having fisticuffs, right? Although I imagine there's some fisticuffs. So you got so you actually got some you know, high tension and drama coming up in future episodes? I, um, well, yeah. I mean, look, it's, we're already planning a coup uh, that, that uh, Brooke is, is going to uh, organise a coup against Charlie because Brooke is the secretary, the useless secretary, feels that she really should be the useless chairperson. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, it just as soon as you, you think of all the issues uh, that, that are in strata, it's all about, look, comedy is about people in conflict. And mm. the, as somebody once told me, the thing about situation comedy is you put all these people who should not even be in the same room and you yeah. force them to live together by some means. You know, it could be economic circumstances or whatever, or it could be a workplace but these are people who should would normally cross the street to avoid each other, who have to live and work together, and and that's what that you know apartment committees. There you go, it's perfect and, situation. And their, and their folk, 
who must, Jimmy also, they're, they're folk who, who must pursue contradictory goals or goals that exclude each other. You know, yes. somebody wants something, which means someone else can't do what they want or they mm. want the same thing. So yeah. they're always in conflict uh, in, a, in a particular space. And if they're vivid and interesting enough characters, which we hope we've, we've managed to draw, they'll always provide, you know, the conflict will always generate humour if, uh, if you work it right. You know, one of the... of course... Sorry. Go, Jimmy. One of the things I think I mentioned it when I was on before, um, you know, the, the, one of the big things in, in apartments is pets and, and whether... Mm. So I friends of mine had these dogs that would start barking at midnight and bark like every 15 minutes for about two hours in the morning. And they complained about the two very nice guys who lived next door to them who had the, the dogs. And the... So the building manager goes to the guy and says, you've got to do something about these dogs. You, know, you can't have them barking. And, and the, the dog owner said, well, you need to do something about the drug dealer next door because that's why the dogs are barking. <laughs> because these people are, <laughs> these people are turning up at midnight and 10 past midnight and 20 past midnight. And then the, so the building manager goes to the, the drug dealer and says, look, I know what you're doing here. Um, you've got to stop this. And, and he said, how, how very dare you? I, I am... <laughs> I am not a drug dealer. I am a private detective, and these are my undercover operatives coming to report <laughs> to me. So, so eventually they, they went to the police, and the police said, tell you what, why don't you invite us to come and train our drug dogs in your building? And we'll just take floors at random, and then eventually when the dog sits outside this apartment door, we'll, that gives us reasonable cause to go in you know we can get a warrant and but we'll go all over the building so that it's not targeted and the building managers went yeah no <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know who these residents are yeah, you're not yeah. doing that no no you're not doing that yeah <laughs> so <laughs> eventually oh, there was just a bit too much attention uh, paid being paid to that particular apartment and he moved out to probably a much nicer building somewhere else where there were no dogs next door. you got to choose it <laughs> carefully when you're going to be a drug dealer in, a, in an apartment building, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, years also, ago... No, sorry, carry on, Victoria. I'll, I'll save that one. <laughs> years ago, I was living in Darlinghurst on the 10th floor in a building, and yeah. um, we got new tenants next door, and I was we were a bit sus about what was going on. We suspected potentially there might be some uh, ladies of the night right. going on in there, and um, but we were never 100% certain. It seemed to be the actual person on the lease was never there. And right. anyway, oh. one day we got home, and there was a hole in our wall, and um, they're, they're safe had been ripped out of the wall and took bricks oh, from our apartment. <laughs> I don't know how the hell you could even do that. Wow. And, of course, the tenants moved out very quickly. There must have been a lot in that safe to, uh, to you know, encourage somebody to go to such an effort to get it out of the wall. Hook it up to a pulley and a truck in the street and rip. And yeah, yeah, just... Well, we were on the 10th floor. How you can rip a safe out of a wall on the 10th floor and take bricks out of the neighbouring apartment, I've got no idea. But... Well, I used to live in a very uh, – the street I used to live in, in Darlinghurst, was a, a little courtyard street that kind of had a – a tremendous acoustic property. It, it kind of was like, it was very like the proportions of Shakespeare's Globe Theatre, which is about right. the same height and has about the same space on stage. And 
if you opened your windows any time during the, uh, the summer particularly, you could hear anything that anybody said in the street, even if they were just talking at normal conversation level. It was fantastic <laughs> for a dramatist. The number of conf- you know, confessions we heard, it was terrific stuff. But the worst version of it was one morning a Sunday about 6, 7 a.m., some somebody hadn't paid someone for the substances that they'd bought. And they sent a guy around who stood outside in the street in front of this guy's apartment and yelled that he was a cheat and a liar and he hadn't paid and he was a deadbeat. And in very detailed um, and quite forensic detail, told you know what he bought, how he bought it, what he hadn't paid and what he owed, and just kept going at the top of his voice wow. for, I would say, 45 minutes. Wow. Everybody in the street knew. Right. And uh, this guy never emerged. I don't know if the shame tactic worked, but it certainly made an impression on everybody else in yeah. the street. Somebody shouts, you're paying too much for that gear. Yeah, yeah. Did I you tell you what, those tabs, those tabs are coming. Yeah, you've, uh, yeah. you've been ripped off, mate. Totally, totally. Oh, That's a funny crazy. guy. The, the analogy around privacy, though, is in apartment blocks, you talk about it in one of your, in the first episode, where everyone knows everyone's business. Um but, you know, the thing with apartments is, you know, you always want to know everyone else's business, but you don't want anyone else to know your business. And exactly. do you think it's sort of inevitable that when you are moving into apartments that, you know, you are giving up some part of your privacy? Oh, uh, absolutely. And, and people have a totally um, wrong idea about privacy. People say, you know, under the privacy laws, you can't, like, they won't, a lot of strata managers will not give out uh, email addresses. Uh, of the owners. Now, you look at the strata law and it says you've got to provide an email address if you have one. And it also says that owners have to be allowed to see email addresses and other addresses and other details of other owners. So just for the running of the building, a lot of strata managers say, we're not going to give you, we don't care. We're not giving you that information because you might misuse it. Um, And, you know, we all, all know crazy people who would bombard people with email. I mean, look, I don't see the problem. You get an email, mm. a persistent email pest. You, there's a thing that you can click on whatever thing you have that says, I don't want to Lock read this. this user. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I, I have, <laughs> as a member of our committee, that I've, I've blacklisted. He keeps trying to send me emails. I won't say who, but he gets a response saying, you've been blacklisted from this, this email address. So, don't even try anymore. Um, <laughs> just, it's just, just so that's privacy. <laughs> but, but you know, in, in sorry, Warren. no, no, no. Go, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, in in uh, an essential part of uh, hyperbole towers. See how see what I did there. Brought it back. The essential no, part. <laughs> essential part of hyperbole towers is the fact that Alfie, the building manager, can see everything. You know, there's a bit where a guy arrives back p- drunk parks his car one o'clock in the morning and he gets a phone call from Alfie uh, to talk about the the spa, the day spa. And at, at the end of the phone call, Alfie says, oh, you're part of the line, mate. You might want to straighten that up. And he's like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Which is kind of harder to convey on audio. I mean, yeah. it, would, it would be obvious on, on a, a screen comedy. But with this, you know, we spent a lot of time going just how can we use the audio to convey 
you know, the, the, the puzzlement and how did he know? You know? But yeah, we hope we hopefully yeah, we got there. What sort of devices do you use? I mean, because, you know, we are so used to, I mean, in the olden days, you know, back in World War II, for instance, and families used to gather around the wireless right. in the evening and listen to the radio drama or what was it called? There was a word for it. And here you are recreating, basically, you're going back in time, aren't you? Yeah. And yeah. everything has to be overacted a little bit, right? You know, so you've got to sort of, do you well, have to overact a bit? Not, not so much. It's really just there are two things you really need to do. The, the, one of this is to have really vivid-voiced characters so people remember mm. who is who. And if they're mm. vivid, people will be interested and will follow them, like soap characters have been since time immemorial. But in radio, they must be vividly voiced and you must be able to tell who's who. One. And secondly, you just have to be very aware of the uh, potentials in... Uh, that sound has for telling your story, and yeah. you know what, what, uh, how to use effects, where they come in the in the moment, what, how an audience apprehends them. I, I used to write for about twenty years ago. I used to write for a live to air lo- with live audience, live radio serial with live sound effects like for Radio National. That was just for, yeah, exactly <laughs> like the goons, except the goons <laughs> used used recordings, and we didn't use any. We, everything was hand done. Um, wow, but. but it was a tremendous challenge and I learned a heap doing it. But the great thing was to realise in that situation, when you had a live audience, the fact that the live audience could see what you were doing would create another level of humour for the, the listening at home audience mm. who were yeah. hearing it live mm. because they could hear that people in the room were finding something funny that kind of just kept the comic temperature of the entire performance and everything else but it was only five minutes long, but it, there was a, a lot of technical challenges. And so it's it's a combination of those things. What do you think, Jimmy? Well, we've never uh, discussed Well, we cheated. The, what you haven't mentioned is that we cheated totally oh. um, <laughs> by, by having a narrator um, who, ah, sets a device. The, who sets the scene, sets every scene, which is Mr. Warren Coleman, the dulcet tones of Mr. Warren Coleman was the narrator. <laughs> um, but he... Uh, but we made the narrator over-explain. Uh, so he would say, it's 6.50 in the evening. 6.50 p.m. in the evening. She is very same day. Uh, you know, she is looking at a ghostly image on her portable laptop computer screen. Um, you know, <laughs> He's parking his car in the parking space in the parking lot. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> it's an idea that we stole totally from a BBC comedy called W1A. Um, which is set around the running of the BBC. And um, it's John Hanna, I think, the Scottish actor, is the voiceover in that. And he just over-explains just a little bit. And it, Very but, reasonable sounding, but just yeah. a little bit more explanation than really you need. Yeah. You want to go at least one step and possibly two steps beyond. But it <laughs> also sets the scene. You know, this, you know it's 6.50 p.m. in the evening, and a meeting is taking place of the, the committee, that kind of thing. If you like what you're hearing here, please share this episode with others you feel would benefit. And while you're at it, why not leave us an iTunes review? Five stars, please. Every review helps make it easier for other people to find us and hear what our amazing guests have to say. We love hearing your questions and we're planning more listener Q&A episodes. Please send your questions in. You can send them via the website, which is theelephantintheroom.com.au or directly via email to questions at theelephantintheroom.com.au. So we're in a very interesting times with Corona um, and, you know, there's lots of 
you know, there's, we've got to be quite uh, aware that there's, you know, lots of negatives and a lot of people are struggling financially or health, et cetera. But how are you bringing this sort of interesting time into the comedy? Sorry, with this corona thing, what were you talking about? I mean, it's what's, well, what's, what's going on? <laughs> I mean, I've, been, I've been working on yeah. a comedy for the past three months. So it's, no. a, it's a car from the 60s. Yeah. We, uh, yeah. we contribute, I mean, apart from the fact that, apart from the fact that the whole premise was that to begin with, committees couldn't meet except electronically. And then the government ruined mm. our premise by allowing committees to meet. They just said, okay, we are, you can have these electronic meetings. That's fine. Um, but that but that was our only nod, really, in, in towards coronavirus. Because I, I have to be honest, when I get switch on the TV news, and I'm a, a, an ex-journalist, so I'm a news fiend, uh, you know, by the time we get the third coronavirus story, it's like, ah, oh, please, you know, I, 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 somebody tell me something terrible from some, some other, yeah, some other part of the world where mm -hmm. something awful has happened. That I, I just need a bit of relief from that. So uh, we consciously made the decision not to d dive into that because there's so much of it around. So the mm. comic relief is stemmed from coronavirus in the sense that, you know, you've had a bit of extra free time on your hands? Is that, it's actually, did it, did it, well, <laughs> did it give you no, the opportunity? I, 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 no, I'll tell you what gave us the opportunity, and it does stem from the coronavirus thing. City of Sydney um, had creative business grants, and this is an idea, this uh, podcom has been an idea that I've had for, a, we've been talking about for a while, um, and I was just looking for an opportunity to, to put it together. And you, the thing is, I could have done it, the, or we could have done it, especially with, with Warren's contacts, by going to actors and saying, hey, you're an actor and nobody's paying you anyway, so how about you come and have some fun and we won't pay you also. But this <laughs> actually allowed us to pay for um, the actors, you know, eight actors, and, and we paid above scale we uh, we used uh, the sound editing, uh, professional sound editing that you guys use. Hello, John, um, and and it just allowed us to actually get this going rather than just sitting in cafes saying, "Wouldn't it be funny if we did this?" How fantastic! And, and, and I guess the other the other thing that uh, how, the way it affected us in some ways was that partly because of the pandemic restrictions we didn't want to bring everyone together if we didn't really need to yeah. and and of course we realized we didn't really need to because not only was that was our story mostly set in zoom meetings um we managed to contrive it so that even scenes outside the meetings in the story uh at least one person in that scene was always on a phone or a device of some kind so two people were never mm. actually in the same space which meant that we could record everyone separately we were we we rehearsed and recorded on Zoom. Yeah. Everyone would record themselves separately and we would cut all that together. And it meant we didn't have to use too much studio trickery to keep the spaces and voices distinct. They were already distinct, having been recorded in different spaces, some more lively than others, but all having their unique audio fingerprint. And that made it easier for a listener to follow, oh, this is all 
This is not people in a room. This is people all on a meeting. Or this is people who are talking on phones. This is people who are isolated but together. And that's very much a, a thing which everyone's experiencing. And we figured that we don't need to say why it is. We all know why it is. What we want to know is how does that make after that what happens and where does the comedy and conflict come from? And that's what we kind of concentrated on, I think. And we tripped ourselves up in one area. We were looking for a sound effect for a Zoom call. Can we have a Zoom call ringtone? And everybody looked at each other like, is there one? Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. So we had to find no, no, I heard. Well, I heard the Skype call. Yeah, yeah, in, that's so good. Yes, episode, yes. I went, oh, are you allowed to use that? But it was it was so familiar to go, oh, this just, I can picture exactly what's happening. It's amazing how evocative one of those very recognisable sounds is, you know. We're, we're very much <laughs> looking forward to Microsoft, who I think now own Skype, uh, taking us to court to force us to remove that <laughs> ring. We, we're looking forward to that day because then, <laughs> then we'll get some... Wait. Publicity. Yeah, no such thing as yeah. bad publicity. <laughs> so that's been deliberate, is it? Yeah, <laughs> Putting probably. that in there like I that. I wish I was that clever. So how many episodes? How many? What, what is this? One series, or are you sort of planning on trying to get funding for more? I mean, a we want to let our listeners know how they can tune into it for a bit of light relief, and but how many? Tell us the format and how long it's going to go for. Well, this is the pilot. Okay, so it very much depends on how many people listen to it, and and especially pass it on to their friends. Because that thing you talked about earlier about people sitting around the old steam radio and listening to things as a family, that doesn't happen anymore. It, it, people listen to stuff totally individually. You might see young people sharing headphones, you know, sharing their earbuds, but that's always to listen to music, I, I guess. So this is very much uh, individuals sharing with individuals, but not at the same time. So we really need people who like this to, to flick it onto their friends and say, you've got to listen to this, it's funny. If enough people do that, then we can go back to somebody who has money and say, here's a budget, can we do another 12 episodes of this, or another six episodes of this? And if we're really, really successful, we, get, we could move it into a different format. We could put it on TV or something like that. Because mm. that's where our background is screen rather yeah, than yeah. radio. As you probably gathered, <laughs> I've always thought a um, a sitcom set in a real estate office would be a good one. Um, you know, certainly when I was in a sales agency, oh my god, this the stuff that gets said and the the characters. I mean, even in my business, I've got eight different avatars for agents, right. and we <laughs> use that, you know, because we need to sort of consider the different types of characters um, in how we negotiate with them. You know, how they're motivating, how they're motivated, how they're actually working with their owners. You know, the conversations they're having behind the scenes with other buyers right. and all of that stuff that. Um, um, massive fodder for for comedy that have to be so yeah. much in it. So when I heard this, I was like going, oh, you know, so we could have a, a, a podcom in the in the real estate office. So, you know, if this takes off, that could be the next iteration. We'll send you a budget, Veronica. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so ma'am. There's, there's obviously a few um, major things with Strata Living that have been getting a bit of spotlight on and mm. building issues is one of those in in recent years. Have you, uh, do you go there with the, the podcom and, and talk about some uh, big repairs that need to be done and yeah. how people go at it at different angles, etc. Well, when you look at the, the classic things that come through the flat chat website, you know, parking, 
pets, mm. noisy parties, Airbnb, you know, and, and once you then you, you delve into the, the people. I mean, I just had an email this morning. Uh, somebody said a new owner had moved into the building and changed all the locks on all their doors and then sent a bill to the owner's corporation. <laughs> can you... Can you please pay for these locks that we didn't need to change, but we wanted to? And he and trying to explain to people, no, that that is not what this is about. And some people get it. You, you go, oh, oh, really? I thought you paid for everything, because uh, you know some people think the strata committee is like the council, you know, just yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Like the ATM ABC. that they have a magic pin number for. Yeah, yeah. you know, that, that everything <laughs> they will pay for everything. Um, and then when you say, well, A, they don't pay for everything. And by the way, when they do pay for stuff, you're kind of paying for it yourself. You're paying mm -hmm. your share. Mm -hmm. It's a real shock to some people. Yeah, Nobody yeah. told me. Nobody. Money tree. It's socialism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, you know, it's, Strata is often referred to as a fourth layer of government, you know. Yeah. So, and obviously in your, in your pilot episode, you've got quite a lot of scheming going along. Mm. Do, do you think, I mean, obviously, Jimmy, you hear stories all the time. Are apartment buildings really that political? Um, some are. Some are <laughs> horrendously political. Um, and they go through phases. Uh, you know, that there's, uh, I, I, I say that they, they go through the phases that they start off with the neurotic, um, they evolve into the chaotic uh, it all falls apart, and then some strong person comes in, takes charge, fixes everything. But then that evolves into the despotic. Um, when that it sounds person, like Russia, really. Yeah, it is. It is Russia. From nineteen seventeen to twenty twenty. You look at you look at the legislation. You'll find it was written by Russians, um, <laughs> Stalinists. And uh, and then after the the despotic, then the neurotic comes up again because people go, oh, this person's got too much power. And then we move back into the chaotic and, and so on and so on. So you're saying that can happen in strata committees. They actually <laughs> go for a change and, and uh, manage to get themselves into a bit of a pickle with people running the building for a year that um, don't know what they're doing and basically run ride roughshod over everyone. They, well, the worst thing is people who do know what they're doing, um, who, ah. who come in Get things Exploit done. the apathy of others too. Yeah, you know, and the... don't forget these are people who are unpaid, and mm -hmm. so you will get a retired mm -hmm. business person who's right. looking for people to shout at. And here's this committee of of uh, 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 what's that? What's that great book called? The something of Dunces, the Confederacy, the Confederacy of, of Dunces. Dunces. So, so he, John Kennedy O'Toole. Yeah. So they they come in, they find this Confederacy of Dunces, some of whom are not that dumb and some of whom just want to be on the committee because they don't trust anybody else in the building, and some of them who want, want to be on the committee just because they've got their own project they want to push through. And then you get mm. one person who comes in and says, look, I know how this works. I've got a basic understanding of strata law. No, you can't do that, and yes, you must do this. And, and everybody goes, oh, great, let's follow this person. And then that person mm -hmm. gets themselves settled in. Uh, and then the fun starts because the, <laughs> their pet projects and their attitudes start to dominate. Mm. 
Well, the first apartment I owned, I did get myself on the committee because I had a cat that I wanted to get approved. There you go. There you go. So I, I'm case in point. I did get my cat improved, came along with references, set up a, uh, a process, the whole bit. It was, it was a brand new apartment. And in fact, Warren, you recently moved into a brand new apartment, right? I, so it's... I did too. I did. In, uh, during April, I moved during the lockdown. It's a great idea, let me tell you, to be and, scanning and... the list of things you can and can't do and hope that moving house doesn't turn up on them. Yeah, I have to say, even in our business, we were certainly um, watching that with eagle eyes um, through that period and, and wondering people were getting going to get caught out in settlement and, and um, oh, homeless man. effectively, you know, couldn't move. So yeah. so you've moved in. It's brand new. You, you're a brave man. I mean, you, you've known Jimmy for a while and I'm sure Jimmy couldn't talk you out of buying a brand new apartment. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, he tried. What are you... He tried. <laughs> I don't what are you finding? Flying off the plan. <laughs> oh no, we didn't oh, manage. Right. Didn't do that. Thank goodness. Yeah. So. so you bought new, so complete, as in new, as in complete, yes. but not off the plan. Yes, yes. Ah. It, was actually quite, it actually, it actually worked out pretty well because yeah. uh, we managed to uh, managed to get a really good deal, and uh, and it was one of those things where we'd been looking for a little while, and uh, the building was one that we had heard of but thought was not complete and so we weren't going to go and look at it until it was ready and my partner one day drove over to, to just to see what the the site was like and realized it was complete and was selling it was actually a good proportion of it had sold and they were looking to try and sell the rest and they were they were trying to make it easy for you and she came back from that uh from that little excursion dropped in and said i think i found out where we're going to live and i thought oh i was intrigued because i knew she'd be a hard marker so I went and had a look at the building and I thought, yeah, no, it's pretty good. And I brought my brother over who's a, uh, spends 35 years as a major executive at a very, very major, we all know, international Australian-based building corporation and is now working for another similar concern. And he had a, a, a bit of a tie kick look through it and was uh, uh, thought it was in, in reasonable shape. So we, uh, we took the plunge and then we went. And the big thing was trying to coordinate everything between selling our old place, moving into our new place, while and you know moving and with while the increasing the, the tightening tightening restrictions were everything was tightening up and we were just just hoping we could just get in here before they said no no you can't move you can't go out of your house you've sold your one you can't go to somewhere else uh, you know we would we would have been totally screwed but we managed to make it. When did you put your place on the market? I'm curious because, you know, we saw a few people get caught in the, we, in the change we, over period. We, we put on the market early this year and we sold at the end. Of, we were auctioned at the end of February. In fact, mm. I think it was Great. the auction. Yeah, unbelievable. Perfect February 25 timing. it was. The, the, yeah. uh, it was just dumb luck. We, in fact, <laughs> I believe that the, la the last time I was in a very tight, large crowd was at the auction because it was an auction rooms in Dublin Bay. It was really, it was like 250 people in a 100-person space. And I have not uh, since then been in that kind of environment because you certainly wouldn't want to be. But it was just before that was becoming a real terrible thing. So it was really just dumb luck. Mm. And we couldn't have, been, uh, couldn't have been happy with the way it turned out because we managed to get out of our old place, get into our new one, and then we were like, we have even, we have even a, a lovely, we're like nine floors up, we have a terrace that's the length of the entire apartment. So we can actually go for a walk even if we can't, even if they locked us down and said you can't leave the apartment, we can still go outside and go for a walk. So that was something we couldn't do in our little place in Darlinghurst, which we love very much, but we lived there for a number of decades and we're ready to go wow. try a new challenge. I must, so I must still, I must still one of 
Warren's stories here. I mean, they say com comedy is is the gap between aspiration and achievement. And, uh, <laughs> and well, that's right. So he's thirty years or something like that in this beautiful little uh, apartment block, three stories high, but no lift. And yep. all Warren ever wanted in an apartment was a, a, a buzzer or door buzzer that, so he could let people in without having to go downstairs and find out who they were so no he moves way, that's hilarious so he moves into this new apartment tell me tell us the rest of the story Warren. well then of course you know the, we have a, apart from the fact we couldn't get that all system to work when we finally could the cameras are all placed uh, about this height so mm -hmm. you can buzz you can see everyone from the chin down this is the new one yeah this is, yeah, this is the new place. This is it's just, fault. They're beautiful cameras. They're really, really great, but they're all pointing at you from about here down. And fortunately, most mm. of my friends I can recognise from the chin down, but when it's someone I don't know, I'm really a little bit, you know, if they're wearing high-vis, it's probably the post guy. Yeah. Um, but it, it is hilarious after all of this effort to get that feature. We finally got it, but it's just not quite right. Yeah. So you need, you need a little workaround sign. They say, if you're older than yeah. 12, yeah, you, you need, need to bend start. over. Squat. Yeah. Yeah. Bend down and say hi. Yeah, yeah. Or, or maybe a point. sign that says um, to enter this building, you must be under this height. This height, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 A limbo, a limbo bar there. Totally, yeah. Get down. So what we did, that's a, uh, so that's actually a good Dumbo for us, but we won't let you use that one. So uh, what's, a, what's another, and we're going to ask for one from each of you. So what's a, you go first, Warren, what's your Dumbo that you've uh, heard? It doesn't have to be you, but uh, if it's you, it's even better. Well, look, I, th this, this could have happened to me um, or someone I know very well. Uh, at a party, um, uh, Someone in the apartment next to mine in my old place had a party and uh, uh, lots of friends there, people from local identities from the cross, people we didn't know, a Russian bloke and his young mate. And we were just chatting and talking about our apartment, how lovely it was next door. And, you know. and about three days later, early in the morning, our apartment was broken into. I was walking into my office and there was somebody already in it. And uh, I was... I, I, I it bolted from the house. We called the cops. They caught the guy. It, it was all, but it was basically because we'd been chatting so pleasantly with these folk and probably, I think, this Russian guy who was probably, uh, who was a little, it felt a little dubious, but there was somebody at that party who was, who had obviously, we'd, we'd been there for 25 something years at that point and nothing had ever happened. But someone at that party had, uh, had picked up on the idea that we had a nice little apartment next door and they thought they'd go and check it out. Fortunately, unfortunately for them, although we, we were charming and delightful people, we don't really own anything worth stealing. And so it was all a little bit not really worth their effort, except that this guy had to climb up three floors on a tree, kick through a, 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 a fibro wall uh, and, and get into our apartment. I didn't realise this because I thought he'd come in through the window until I was standing at my desk and I feel my, my ankles were all cold. And I thought, oh, there's a, there's a breeze from down there because there's a hole in the wall that he's kicked in. But oh, wow. uh, it, it was charmless more than, than really inconvenient, but I certainly felt dumb for having sat there and uh, talked about how nice our apartment was to people I didn't know, <laughs> only metres from it. <laughs> 
it's, it's a bit scary because, you know, Sydney Siders, we do love to talk about our property. So yeah. Totally. Like, and obviously no, no one who's a thief ever listens. No. No, no. no. That's hilarious. He's kicked a hole in the... Kicked a hole in the wall. And I, I'm in the shower and I'm thinking, gee, those bins, those guys are giving a bins a thrashing out in the street yeah. today. You know, because it's metres from me, he was kicking in the wall. And I had yeah. no idea. I had no idea. Oh God! Like we need no, a sound, the, sound effect I mean, of wall being kicked in. Wall being kicked in is boom. It sounds like exactly like someone thrashing tapping. your bins yeah. or tapping. <laughs> but if I tap wall. <laughs> I'm not sure that we can all learn from that, though, Warren. <laughs> no, I, I think what you can learn is just to be a little circumspect about advertising the joys of your work, of your apartment, when you're at a party with people you've never met before. That's yeah, only- yeah. And, and don't forget and to we- and don't forget to mention your big dog that attacks anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He doesn't well, have yeah. one. He doesn't it's have hard one. for them to carry always mention the dog. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Jimmy, have you got one? I got one. I, didn't think I had one. I just remembered one. This happened just the other week. Somebody uh, walking through the car park saw a car that hadn't been cleaned uh, for a while. So decided to write, didn't write, wash me. That wasn't enough. It was, wash me, you, very rude word. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, And uh, sorry, I was just I was just letting Veronica get a breath there. Um, and so yeah. they write this on the car, stupidly, not realizing like there's a security camera about you know three meters away. But even worse, even worse, there is a camera inside the car that's motion activated. And, oh uh, yeah. yeah, it's pointed at the fight in the dash cam. So they're grinning at their mate, yeah. and they've got this perfect picture of them writing this very rude message on the car. And so there's, and the funny funny part of it is this kind of very carefully worded notice went up in the lift. Somebody has done this very naughty thing and they have been caught on camera and they have been spoken to. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, you can only imagine somebody come home from, well, would they have, have they've come home from a party and seen the car still hasn't been washed. I don't know why people feel they need to tell people to wash their cars. I mean, if, you, if you're going to notice a sign saying, wash your car, you rude word, you're probably going to notice <laughs> that the car is dirty in the first place. And it's your choice, I think. Yeah. I think sometimes the funny things in these uh, strata buildings, there's always that person that wants to see an opportunity and, uh, you know, make a point, don't they? You know, they... I remember when I was living in an apartment, uh, you know, someone would leave out rubbish and they're like, wrong bin, or they're just right on, on random things because they just want to kind of be that dictator, don't they? Well, that's the, right. The, the, the finger wagger is never far away. The, the classic, yeah. the classic <laughs> of the rubbish thing is the people who, and I, I heard this recently, this guy left the, the, the rubbish bag outside his apartment in the, in the lift lobby and didn't attend mm. to it for hours. And when his neighbour said, mate, you know, you, you can't just leave that there. He said, oh, I'm not leaving it in the house. Mm. It's full of stinking nappies. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I spoke it's to like, this. Put it in the bin then, okay? Yeah, get in the yeah. lift, go down, put it in the bin, put it in the chute. <laughs> they, uh, but there's this building manager. He said he had this, this guy in, in a, uh, his, one of his apartment blocks, and the guy would constantly 
take the bin, the, the, the rubbish out of the bags, leave it outside the door for the next time he left the, the apartment. And sometimes that would be hours and hours, and the building manager said, you cannot do this. It's, it's just wrong, it's offensive, it's stupid, and it's wrong. And the, the, eventually, you know, after about three or four times of talking to this guy, he walks past the door, and there's a bin bag sitting outside. And so he just opens the guy's door and tips it all in his hallway <laughs> and shuts the door very quietly. And he said he never did it again after that. <laughs> Sometimes you let, you let one person get away with it and all of a sudden it's everyone's doing it. It's putrid. Well, one of the funny stories I came up, friends of ours moved into an apartment block, a brand new apartment block in Sydney. And the three other neighbours on their floor were two downsizers from a farm out in the country and a couple of Asian families. And what do these three people have in common, they take their shoes off when they come home. Farmers will always take their boots off at the back door. So they, they move into this apartment, the next thing they see there's little rows of shoes outside each apartment door, which I kind of think is fine. It doesn't bother me, but they got very upset and said it was a terrible <laughs> fire risk. But I just thought it was so funny. You've got the, you know, the, the Vietnamese and the Koreans and the farmers all doing the same thing. All agrarian folk. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, I thought when you say what do they all have in common, I was going to say they all like to cook. Oh, well, they yeah. all like and keep keep live animals. So there's, a there's, there's a puzzle. <laughs> there's a puzzle that I have yet to solve, which is what can you do about pungent cooking? Ah, yes. I mean, there's a. I think there's a Filipino dish which involves throwing the fermented fish. fish. Yeah, into deep fat. <laughs> And it creates this huge cloud of steam, which apparently <laughs> it, it kills ninety nine percent of all known germs. It's uh, it's it's a, it and promotes the other one percent. It's pretty that's, strong that's stuff. It's a coronavirus cure coming up. And uh, <laughs> and somebody did it in in our block. Uh, it's because it's a big Christmas thing in uh -huh. Filipino culture, and uh, so they made this stuff and for their family that were coming around, and they, it's just clouds of steam, stinky steam spreading through the building. And, and what, do you, what do you do? I mean, can you actually say um, the person next door to me cooks really smelly food and smelly I find food. it offensive? Mm. Can you? Because you should know. know the answer to that, Jimmy. I know I should. I know I should. I think that's the yeah. one gap in my knowledge. I, keep, I yeah, think it's yeah. one of these. I think it's a, it's a look, I, I'm... I campaign against barbecues on balconies, which, uh, yeah. and apparently I could lose my Australian passport uh, bit by having such an un-Australian point of view. But to me, you know, your barbecue, especially the people who think burn off last week's rancid fat. Fat, fat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, but, <laughs> maybe they should teach physics better in school. You know, hot air rises. Smoke goes up and back in. You know, people people need to get used to the fact that their little balcony barbecue could affect hundreds of other people. So they burn off yeah. the fat. And they wear they, a mask. Yeah, and then they and then they cook cheap, nasty sausage, hamburger, <laughs> crap, and fish. They cook fish. They cook prawns. 
and and I and I and I've tried over the years. I've tried various things. Let's say, can we bring in a bylaw that if you cook on a bar, bar balcony barbecue, <laughs> you've got to leave your window open. You've got to leave your French right. door open. You can't. <laughs> you've so got to get the smell as well as us. <laughs> and people go, think, oh, no, no, that would stink my flag. Well, what do you think is happening to me? And I, well, what amazes <laughs> me, Jimmy, is that despite all this, you still persist in living in an apartment. So... <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine living any other way. <laughs> I, if, I had a, if I had a freestanding house, I'd have nobody to complain about. That's well, this fine. is the thing. Yeah. I mean, and look, you are British, but you're not English, right? That, is that the that way it is works? very you? correct, yes. Yeah, so that whole thing about <laughs> how do you know when the, a British Airways flight has landed at uh, Mascot? Uh, the engine stops, but the whining continues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I think we should wrap up this episode. <laughs> slightly racist note. <laughs> no, no, we... we I think it's okay Scotsman, to be racist Scot- against our... our uh, <laughs> Scott stop wine, they just plot revenge. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it's a much better fun. accent too. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys. Listen, how will people be able to get hold, apart from the fact we've all got to share this thing and obviously we'll put the link in the show notes, yeah. but uh, how will people find the podcom uh, Hyperbole Towers? Well, it's uh, it's going to go out as part of the Plat Chat Wrap, which is my little podcast. Um, and mm-hmm. it's also going to be, uh, we'll have our show notes on the Flat Chat website, which is flat-chat.com.au. Okay, and we, will, so we will have you absolutely <laughs> look it up right now. It, well, actually, this we're recording this in August. It probably I don't think we're scheduled to release this for till next month. So sorry about that. All that early rush, but um, you still, you guys are still editing, doing the final edit at this point, aren't you? No, we're done. It's, oh, you're we're, done. We're releasing it to we're releasing it to the wild. Uh, to the world. Well, to, we'll today. do our best to, to hope that uh, you get future funding. Well, that's so my congratulations. The, the timing is my fault entirely. I saw you had a gap in your schedule and I jumped in there. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always lovely to chat yeah. and swap silly stories. So thank you guys for coming along. Good fun to talk to you again. It was my absolute pleasure. Great to chat. Thank you. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Bye. See ya. We want to make you a better elephant rider. And this week's elephant rider training is... You know, let's talk a bit about the ideal person to live in strata because I think it's quite clear that, that you know, you are putting yourself in, in a situation where you're living closer to other other individuals and also you are in, as we said earlier, it's like the fourth layer of government. There is It's quite highly legislated and there are a lot of rules around uh, what you can and can't do with strata and that suits some people but it doesn't suit everybody and i do sometimes feel that that you know rabid individualists <laughs> buy an apartment or a townhouse and and have no real respect or regard for the fact that they do have to get on with other people and uh and comply as well and that whole idea you know, and and my girlfriend she owns an apartment and she's always talking about the neighbors that are, that put their rubbish out their front door because they they don't want to you know, they'll take it down to the bin room when they leave the building. And it's that level of consideration that is required from strata occupiers that you don't necessarily have to think through before you buy the property. But you do have to make sure that you you set, I think, a higher standard in terms of your your willingness to to consider other people potentially uh, when you are living in close quarters. 
And I think that that does catch out some buyers when they get themselves, even tenants too, for that matter, but that's not such a one-way street. But when you've actually bought the property and you're there and you suddenly realise, oh, I actually am at the mercy, I, A, of people who might do that and I have to work out ways to actually, um, in a healthy way, handle conflict. Um, I have to learn what the rules are and I have to actually abide by those rules, but also know how to actually educate others that may not know what those rules are without coming across like I'm, I'm, you know, a control freak. And because we all want to live harmoniously and we also want to make sure that our, our building, the, the ongoing value of the building is preserved because when potential, you know, somebody goes to sell and they walk into a building that's got piles of garbage everywhere, that's a real negative as well so mm. there's lots of reasons why it's really important to understand the rules uh the rules of engagement if you like um but also the laws but also just common human decency when you are living in close quarters of other people yeah you don't want to be the hypocrite you know upset of everyone else but then you know haven't got your own house uh in order and are not treating everyone else with respect in the building but i do think it's really important if you are uh going to live in a strata building just understanding the rules the laws what you can and can't do and what you potentially can stop your neighbours doing or um, encouraging them to live a better way potentially um, because you could be talking hundreds of people um, in an apartment block but you know the challenges with a house um, you know we're trying to do a few things to our backyard and I want to make sure all the neighbours are on site but I've got to worry about four people um, and you know it's a bit of give and take and uh, you know chop this tree down or put this fence here so a lot easier to manage with a house but with an apartment block you, you could be talking hundreds of people um, and a lot of them may be investors who don't really care or haven't even seen the building or um, and so sometimes you need to win them over as well so strata living not without its challenges but it is going to be the future and because we just can't keep building houses because we haven't got the land for it so you've got to be aware of it absolutely it's a little bit like wearing masks in public isn't it it's not just for yourself it's for other people as well Please join us for our next episode when we've got Martin North coming back to join us. We're going to talk about the disconnect between the psychological and aspirational aspects of buying property and the financial aspects of buying property. He'll also reveal a lot of insights into what's going on in the mind of first home buyers, but also people that currently own property and what they're really worried about and how much of that property might actually end up being put on the market for sale. As usual, psychology, philosophy, and some hard data all join to make very interesting conversation. If you're looking to buy your dream home or an investment property in Sydney's inner west, eastern suburbs, or North Shore, my team and I can help you buy without regrets. Reach out via my website, gooddeeds.com.au. If you're looking to buy your first home, thinking of upgrading into a new one or purchasing an investment property anywhere in Australia, my team would love to carefully guide you on this journey. And most importantly, get the finance right. Reach out via our website, wealthful.com.au. If you're a first-home buyer and you don't want to miss a step with this most important purchase, join me on Wednesday nights at 7.30pm Sydney time on the Home Buyer Academy Facebook page for live Q&A. Check out the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au. Every month, my team hosts a webinar on what we are seeing at the banks, the best rates, changing policy and their service. We also share the latest insights we hear and read that are impacting the property market direction. Check out wealthful.com.au. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to see you again. And remember, don't be a dumbo.